you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 27. Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 27. This is God's Word. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith will it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. This is part of a series of stories that Matthew is giving us so that we get some idea of all the different kinds of miracles that Jesus was doing all the different kinds of problems that he addressed. We've seen him healing a man who was totally paralyzed. But Jesus, before he healed that man's physical condition, spoke something far more important and far more amazing, more amazing than physical healing. He had told that man, your sins are forgiven. Only God can forgive sins. But Jesus is God incarnate. He was confronted with a girl who died and a woman who had had a problem for 12 years that none of the doctors could help her with. Jesus dealt with both. Now, as Jesus went on from there, 
two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. The term son of David was another way of saying Messiah. That was the way that the Jews referred to the one that they were looking for and longing for. Because God had promised that the Messiah would be a descendant of David. That's why his birth in Bethlehem was so important. That's what God had promised. He was of the house and lineage of David. So when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, do you believe I'm able to do this? Now, do you notice anything about that that doesn't fit with a Hollywood script about Jesus? These guys are following Jesus, calling out, have mercy on us. And what does Jesus do? He keeps on walking. I would have said, Jesus, if if you're going to heal him, this would be a good time to do that. I mean, you know, I mean, let's, I mean, I, I, I just, I would never have scripted it this way. And if it happened this way, I would have been reluctant to put it in the text. It just it doesn't fit with the way we see Jesus. You know, Jesus is filled with compassion, and therefore, if anybody has a problem, he immediately turns and does whatever they want. Isn't that what we expect? I can't count the number of people who have said, well, I prayed and nothing happened. Really? How long did you pray? Jesus says, keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. Don't give up. These guys kept asking, kept crying out, and Jesus kept on walking. He goes indoors. They follow him inside. After he's inside, they again are asking him, They came to him, and he asked them a question. Do you believe I'm able to do this? I mean, is this something you're just kind of hoping, you're giving it a shot? Is it like a slot machine? You put some money in and think, yeah, maybe. Tons of people every day foolishly buy those scratch cards, okay? Because they think, maybe this time I'll get something, and maybe they will. But the casino always wins. The lottery always wins. You will lose a lot more over the long haul if you're trying to get rich quick, because God says, that is not okay. If your goal is to get rich quick, you're chasing the wrong thing. God says so. Folks, it's a great privilege for me to be able to come each evening and bring God's Word on these stations, and I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to do that. But if you listen regularly, you know that my life day-to-day is involved in trying to minister to kids who come from very difficult situations. I want to ask you to help us. Contact us at wvr.org and find out how you can be a part of the miracle. That's wvr.org. Please help us help these children. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown Where Jesus is And he's holding out his hand
Jesus is asking these guys, are you just calling me Messiah because you're hoping maybe you'll get something out of this? That seems a little harsh, doesn't it? Well, he asked them. They said, yes. Yes, Lord. And so then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, it will be done for you. And their sight was restored. Happy. End of story. No, not end of story. Having just healed them, Jesus warned them sternly. Let's see if there could be another phrase we could use in place of that. Jesus casually hinted. No. Jesus warned them sternly. See that no one knows about this. Is that clear? If someone said to you, see that no one knows about this, would you know what that means? Or would you say, I wonder what he means by that. What he means by that is, see that no one knows about this. Don't go out and tell people what has happened. Now, that's a challenging thing because they've just gotten their eyesight back and they were blind. So they go into the house as blind men, they come out seeing, but Jesus has sternly warned them. Warned them. See that no one knows about this. Now, what could they do? Well, for one thing, they could have gone out kind of like this, the way they came in. But they were excited. They could see now. This is what they had longed for. They correctly, without eyesight, identified Jesus as the Messiah, called him Lord, and he has healed them. Now they've got what they wanted. Who cares what he wants? Who cares what Jesus wants? I got what I wanted. I wanted my eyesight back. That's it. That's what I was looking for. So my great desire is not to do the will of the one I call Lord. My desire has been satisfied. Now I can just move on with my life. Got what I was after. Do you see where there's a problem with that? Let me just ask you a question. I don't want a show of hands. But how many of you recognize the capacity for that same horrible attitude in yourself? Please don't raise your hands. Just consider it. Aren't we capable of coming to God not wanting to do His will, wanting to do ours? We want God to supercharge our plans. Lord, if uh, anything needs to be done to make this uh, better for me, uh, you know, you can, you can tweak the plan, but basically here's the plan, and I'm asking you to please, uh, please do what I want. Uh, my will be done. My kingdom come. Jesus sternly warned them. See to it that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. It wasn't just when they came out 
they kind of let the cat out of the bag because, I mean, there were people outside and they could tell that these guys could see now and they were like, oh yeah, well, um, yeah, okay. We can't talk about it. It wasn't like that. They came out and started telling people. They did the opposite of what Jesus had instructed them to do. I've even seen commentators who suggest that I, th I think Jesus was actually just using reverse psychology. Yeah, that's, that's why God says, for example, um, don't commit adultery. He's just using reverse psychology because he, he thinks adultery is a really cool thing, right? And the reason he says don't lie is, is because he's wanting us to develop a habit of lying. You think? Or do you think when God says something, he means what he says? I'll answer that. God means what he says. So when Jesus told them, don't tell people about this, and they went out and did the opposite, they spread the news about him all over that region. Would you consider that a sin? Direct disobedience? Yeah. I want to ask you another question. Do you think Jesus knew what they were going to do? Yeah. But he healed them anyway. Now I feel a little better about the fact that he didn't immediately turn around and heal them on the road. Because he didn't want it to be out in the public eye. And he gave them the opportunity to do the right thing, and they totally blew that. They failed to do what he commanded because all that mattered to them was getting what they wanted. I just want to ask you, prayerfully consider your heart toward God. Years ago, I was frustrated with the situation I was in. And I told my wife, I'm tired of this, I want to do something different. This is not at the ranch, by the way. Um, I told my wife, I want to do something different. I want to do this instead. And she said, where? And I said, well, I'll tell you what it was. I was tired of being the pastor of our little church on Cape Cod. And I wanted to go be an associate pastor somewhere where there would be greater economic security and less hours per week to work. It wouldn't all fall on me. I'd have certain areas of responsibility and a schedule and I knew the guy who'd been in that position, and I thought that would be a sweet job. Beautiful community, historic church, very evangelical. I mean, this, is, this, is, this would be sweet. The next day, I got a telephone call, wondering if it would be okay for my name to go to that church as a potential candidate to replace the guy who'd just left. I mean, out of the blue. And I said, uh, yeah, that'd, that'd be all right. So they wrote to me, and they were interested, and it was such a sweet opportunity. I mean, I, they included in that stuff I hadn't even imagined. I didn't even know that was part of the deal, but it was so wonderful. I was thrilled. And so then, while I'm having my quiet time with the Lord, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And basically what God said to me was, if that's what you want, and there was something in God's tone that made me uncomfortable. I'd said, oh God, please, 
And God is like, I can do that for you. But I get the impression that you're not terribly happy about it. Is that what you want? Well, yeah, it's what I want. But I guess the real question is, is it what you want? And I kind of already knew immediately. So I made a list of all the reasons to stay where I was and all the reasons to go to the other place. And all my reasons for going to the other place basically were about me. Okay? It's going to be good for me, my family. Paul would be closer to Boston where Children's Hospital was. It's where all his doctors were. It's going to be better for me, for my family, for my finances. I'll have an easier life. And I'm sure that's what God wants, is Jesus died to give Jim a more comfortable wife. Right? No, not really. I looked at the reasons to stay where I was on Cape Cod. None of them were selfish. All my reasons for staying on Cape Cod had to do with ministry to others and the needs of the church and so forth. So I guess if we were to just kind of sum up the bottom line there, I could have said to God, so, Lord, would you like for me to do the selfish thing or the unselfish thing? Uh, you decide. I didn't have to ask. It made it clear. So I wrote to that church and I said, I'm so honored that you would ask me to be considered for this position. But I need to stay where I am. And I'm telling you, in one sense, that was a death for me. But I'm so glad. I'm so glad. If I'd gone there, I never would have ended up in Atlanta. If I hadn't gone to Atlanta, I wouldn't be here. God knew all the steps that he had ordained for me. And what matters is not doing the thing that's going to make you comfortable in the immediate. It's doing what God says. And oftentimes, you will find that there is a cross involved. So, while they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. Is all illness caused by demons? No. Is some illness caused by demons? Yes. Another example would be in Luke chapter 13. The woman who was bound by Satan and that showed up as a physical affliction. There were times when this was the case. When the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. And the crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. They could not accept that Jesus is the Messiah. But they had to come up with an explanation for what he was doing, because everybody could see it was utterly amazing, and the Pharisees sure couldn't do it. So they blamed Jesus' power on Satan. It is in that context that Jesus warns about one sin that is unforgivable, and that is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. He says that, when he says it, it's not in these verses, but when Jesus says that, he says it in the context of the Pharisees attributing Jesus' 
power to Satan. So, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. This does not mean that everybody who lived in all of Israel was healed during this paragraph. What it means is there wasn't anybody or any kind of illness that Jesus wasn't able to heal. It was all kinds of sick people. Well, how do you know there was anybody left? Well, because after Jesus died and rose again, there was a guy at the entrance to the temple area who'd been lame from birth, and he'd been there brought to that place day after day after day after day for years. Jesus had been to that place, and Jesus had not healed him. Why? Well, because Jesus is going to heal him later through Peter and John, the apostles. There are folks who get a miraculous healing right away. There are other folks whose healing is down the road. And there are some folks whose healing is in glory. But what we need to know is this. There's no problem that's too difficult for Jesus. All kinds of people experienced deliverance and healing in the context of Jesus preaching the good news of forgiveness. Is that what it says? No, preaching the good news of the kingdom. Guess what? The news in the Gospels and in the book of Acts and in the epistles is the news about a kingdom. And in the kingdom, you and I are not the kings. Jesus said in John chapter 3, unless a person is born again, they cannot enter the kingdom of God. The goal is not the new birth. The new birth is the means by which we enter the kingdom. The kingdom is not about geography. I mean, I think East Tennessee is great. I love living here. I thank God for the privilege. But East Tennessee is not the location of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not geography. It's relationship. It's a relationship where the one who is King of kings and Lord of lords is reigning and his people are saying, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. It's why Jesus taught his disciples to pray, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whose will do you want done? The blind men wanted their will done. And that's why they got what they wanted from Jesus and then went out and totally did the opposite of what he'd sternly warned them about. So people came, and Jesus is preaching the good news of the kingdom, and he's healing every disease and sickness. And he looks at these people who do not understand him, many of whom are just after what they can get in the way of relief from their immediate problems. And he despised them. Is that what it says? No, not at all. It says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw their need and he had compassion on them. He understood what was wrong and he had compassion on them. 
and he knew that what sheep need is a shepherd. So then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus saw the problem and he pointed it out to his followers, the 12. And he said, now pray that God will meet that need. In the next chapter, we're going to see how God answered their prayer. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.